Let us pray together. Gracious God, we thank you that you always have more light and more love to bring us from your holy word. And so we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit this morning so that we might hear your voice and respond faithfully in our lives. We pray through Christ who showed us how. Amen. During my family's uh, sabbatical this past summer, between the time when we left Chicago and the time that we came here, we spent a couple months at a retreat house in uh, nearby Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And while we were there, I would often pass downtown a church uh, with a sign. You know, churches with signs, uh, we always read them with interest. And uh, I don't always agree with what's on these signs, but this one really riveted my attention. It just simply said, God is still speaking. God is still speaking. In other words, the God that we read about speaking to folks 2,000 and 3,000 years ago in Scripture continues to speak and to call to us in our day as well calling us to relationship, calling us to wholeness, and calling us to service to others. And in today's scripture readings, wonderful readings, we find two stories of God doing precisely that, calling people, speaking to people. And so as we reflect on these stories together this morning, let us also be listening to the Holy Spirit and pondering how God is speaking and calling to us as well. Well, in our first story this morning, in Luke chapter 13, it is the Sabbath, the Shabbat. And Jesus is preaching and teaching in a synagogue. And His words are suddenly interrupted by the rhythmic tapping of a cane as a hunched-over woman comes hobbling into the synagogue, face bent directly down toward the dusty floor. Now everyone turns briefly, and they all know this woman. They know her story. They know that for 18 long years she has been this way. That's 18 years without being able to look up into the sky and to count the stars. That's 18 years of being so bent over she can't even look into someone's eyes. That's 18 years of not being able to see the setting sun paint the stony hills of Palestine with a wash of crimson and gold. You know, for three years, Jesus has been preaching about the arrival of the kingdom of God. 
As we heard last week, the healing, liberating, domination-shattering, barrier-breaking reign of God. And today, in the synagogue, Jesus preaches one of His best sermons. Both through what He says, but even more importantly, through what He does. Now, the first... (laughs) Amazing thing that Jesus see or does in this story is he, he actually sees this woman come in. So often when someone is suffering, we choose no longer to see them, don't we? Jesus sees her with great love. Sees that she is someone who has long suffered. Suffered all the way back to whatever evil or harm began that suffering 18 years ago. And ever since then, her spiritual bondage has been expressed through the bentness of her body. No doubt, Jesus also sees that this woman is carrying a double burden. Because in Jesus' day, people's understanding is that when people suffered, this was due to God's punishment. They had done something wrong. And they were being punished for it. And so, her suffering is double. She's not only suffering in her body, but she's also suffering because no one else around her will be in contact with her. Because she is regarded as unclean and God-forsaken. And so her suffering is double. And Jesus undoubtedly sees this. So Jesus sees her and then he calls to her. And let me tell you, speaking with a woman in that day in a synagogue was bad enough. But then Jesus speaks with this woman, this particular woman. And then Jesus goes even further. He calls to her and he lays his hands gently on her stooped, hunched over shoulders. And it's at that moment that this woman feels like the earth's gravity has suddenly been reversed. And all she can do is raise up and stand tall. Dear friends, have you ever noticed that whenever women meet Jesus, they have a way of rising to their full stature? Amen? And now that she's standing up tall, everyone can see into her eyes for the very first time. And soon those eyes are brimming with tears as she dances and sings her way all around the sanctuary, praising the God who has just healed and set her free. Notice that Jesus' physical healings are often or often make space for spiritual healing as well. In this case, a new ability to worship and serve God. And in this story, we see a daughter of Abraham 
restored to physical wholeness and a brand new connection with God. It happens right there in the synagogue. Because until we are connected with God, we have not begun to live yet. Until we are connected with God, we can't really become who we are. Now, the sad thing in this story is that none of this matters to the leader of the synagogue. All he sees is an infringement on the fourth commandment of keeping the Sabbath. There are six days, he says, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday until sundown. Six days, count them, six days for this kind of healing. If you want to be healed in that way, come back on those six days, but not today on the seventh. You know, last Sunday, we saw that God's love when we are not in sync with God, when we are disconnected with God, it doesn't feel like a warm flame of love all the time. Sometimes it feels like a blast furnace. Remember that? Well, here we go. You hypocrites, Jesus says, on the Sabbath, you don't think twice about untying your animals, to take them to go watering, then how come you are thinking twice and questioning when I untie this woman from her bondage to evil? Now, I believe at the heart of Jesus' fierce confrontation with these religious leaders is a call for them to repent, to turn. After all, isn't the very purpose of the Sabbath to help people rest and to connect with God? But they are so focused on their rules and their regulations that they are blind to the reality that that has just happened. That purpose has been fulfilled for the Sabbath right before their eyes but they don't see it. Let us never forget that Jesus' call to repentance, and it's a word we don't like to use much. His call to repentance to these religious leaders in the synagogue and his call to repentance to us religious folk here at East Chestnut Street is never intended to be a call to guilt or hopelessness or self-hatred. It is always a call to turn away from whatever is separating us from God and to turn our lives more fully Godward. Ultimately, every time we hear Jesus say, repent, he is telling us, inviting us, to connect ourselves more fully with God and to connect ourselves more fully with what God is doing in our world. This 
summer, I, uh, <laughs> Linda Peachy, I asked her if, uh, Gaiman Peachy, I asked her if she would send me uh, John Ruth's magisterial 1,200-page history of our Lancaster Mennonite Conference. And so there I sat in Carlisle reading <laughs> that doorstop of a book. And uh, there were rich gifts in dipping into that book. Because on page 1007, now I'm not going to mislead you and pretend that I read all the pages before, but by God's grace, I came upon an amazing story about the spiritual renewal that back in 1942, some of you may remember this story, the spiritual renewal that swept through the East African churches planted by Lancaster missionaries. Now the beautiful thing about this story is that revival and renewal not only swept through the African churches, but it swept through the hearts of the Lancaster missionaries as well. Until then, they had often been preoccupied by their own confession with implementing rules about plain dress all the way over in Africa. But after that renewal, and I forgot to mention that people described it as almost a second Pentecost. They were in a church and suddenly it was as if the Holy Spirit fell down upon them, just as at Pentecost. And when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit, these folks said, in the words, actually these are the words of Clyde Shank, a missionary. He said, the Holy Spirit shifted our focus, our focus from black clothes to Jesus. from enforcing rules to connecting people and ourselves with our Savior. So friends, here today, this morning, how might we as well be, re be called to this kind of turning more fully to God? How have we become preoccupied with our rules and our ways and lost touch with our central mission of connecting others with God. In our other reading from Jeremiah, and I keep on hearing that song, <laughs> Jeremiah was a bullfrog. <laughs> but he's not a bullfrog. He's a teenager, and I want all of our teenagers, if you've been uh, going other places during the first part of the sermon, I want you to tune in right now. <laughs> when Jeremiah is just a teenager, God comes to him with incredible tenderness 
and says to him, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, this isn't just any old knew you. This is the biblical know you. The intimate knowing that Scripture also uses to talk about the intimacy between a couple in marriage. God knows Jeremiah. And before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. So to all of our teenagers and our young people today, I want to give you this verse, verse 5. Before you were even born, God knew you. Even before you were being knit together in your mother's womb, God was lovingly contemplating and anticipating who you would become. Isn't that wonderful? But then in our story, as often happens, Jeremiah tries to put God on call waiting. Ever done that? Lord, Lord, how can I ever be a prophet when I'm just a kid? But the thing about our God is that God doesn't just call the equipped. God also equips the called. And when God calls us, the most important thing about our equipping are the four words that we read in verse 8 today. I am with you. I am with you. Emmanuel. Because when God is present with us, and we are present to God, we can begin to do impossible things. So dear friends, the good news for us here this morning is that God is still speaking to us in our day. Still calling us to relationship, to liberation, to new wholeness, to service to others like Jeremiah. And as we respond, we'll invariably find ourselves standing taller, becoming more fully who we are, and more free, free, free to sing and to dance our way through life, praising the God who in Jesus Christ has set us free and saved us. In a time of silence now, I'd like to invite us all to open our hearts wide to God. What part of this call from God today to wholeness, to relationship, to repentance, to service, do you need to hear most of all? To healing. What part of this call does our whole congregation need to hear together. And to all of our young people, just like Jeremiah, how might God be speaking to you right here this morning? 
And if this morning you have been feeling Jesus knocking on the door of your heart, then why not invite him right here this morning to come on in? After our time of silence, Dwight will lead us in singing number 42 in our green hymnal.